There will be a day when the wicked will be punished. We are not letting go of that hope that we have in you and in your righteousness and in your justice. Hey there, I'm Victoria, a certified Christian life coach, author, motivational speaker, and university educator, and I am obsessed with helping you navigate through life's ups and downs so that you can live day by day in God's peace despite the many external demands on your time and energy. The Choose to Think Inspirational podcast is about the delicate dance between God transforming you from the inside out and your personal responsibility for change, maturity, and refinement as a Christ follower. On the show, I'll help you connect the dots between your faith and your life in practical, meaningful ways while giving God room to do what only He can do and so that you can shine your light for Christ and be better equipped to serve your family and help others around you. You can change every area of your life one thought at a time. Welcome back to the Choose to Think Inspirational Podcast Brain Changer. Let's dive in. Psalm 10 is a psalm of lament that addresses the problem of evil in the world and the apparent silence of God in the face of it. In this episode, I will offer you four practical applications that 21st century Christians like you can make from Psalm 10 with a focus on your family and marital relationships. And if you stay tuned to the very end, you'll walk away with the top three results or benefits from putting into play these applications. Your heart will take flight, you will feel encouraged and ready to face each day with a bounce in your step. This 18-verse psalm was likely penned by King David. The historical backdrop for the psalm is not entirely clear as the psalm does not provide any specific historical details. However, scholars have suggested several possible contexts for the psalm. A time of political upheaval. Some scholars believe that Psalm 10 may have been written during a period of political instability, when the people of Israel were oppressed by a foreign power. The psalm may have been a cry for help in the face of this oppression. Perhaps it was written during a time of moral decay. Some suggest that Psalm 10 may have been written during a time of moral decay within Israel itself. The psalm may have been a lament over the wickedness of the people and a call for God to intervene and restore justice. And it's also possible that this psalm was written in response to a personal crisis faced by the psalmist. The psalm may have been a prayer of lament and a plea for God's help and protection. Overall, while the exact historical context of Psalm 10 is uncertain, the psalm speaks to the universal human experience of justice, injustice, oppression, and the apparent silence of God in the face of evil. It remains a powerful and relevant expression of lament and faith for people of all ages and contexts. Let's listen to Psalm 10 and stay tuned as we will unpack all the practical applications as well as a very personal story. Psalm 10, the NIV version. Why do you stand far away, Lord? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In arrogance, the wicked hotly pursue the needy. Let them be caught in the plots which they have devised. For the wicked boasts of his soul's desire, and the greedy person curses and shows disrespect to the Lord. The wicked in his haughtiness does not seek him. There is no God in all his schemes. His ways succeed at all times, yet your judgments are on high, out of his sight. As for all his enemies, he snorts at them. He says to himself, I will not be moved. Throughout the generations, I will not be in adversity. 
his mouth is full of cursing, deceit, and oppression. Under his tongue is harm and injustice. He sits in the lurking places of the villages. He kills the innocent in the secret places. His eyes surreptitiously watch for the unfortunate. He lurks in secret like a lion in his lair. He lurks to catch the needy. He catches the needy when he pulls him into his net. Then he crushes the needy one who cowers, and unfortunate people fall by his mighty power. He says to himself, God has forgotten. He has hidden his face. He will never see it. Arise, Lord. God, lift up your hand. Do not forget the humble. Why has the wicked treated God disrespectfully? He has said to himself, you will not require an account. You have seen it, for you have looked at harm and provocation to take it into your hand. The unfortunate commits himself to you. You've been the helper of the orphan. Break the arm of the wicked and the evildoer. Seek out his wickedness until you find none. The Lord is king forever and ever. Nations have perished from his land. Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble. You will strengthen their heart. You will make your ear attentive to vindicate the orphan and the oppressed so that mankind, which is of the earth, will no longer cause terror. And this is the word of the Lord. What are the four main takeaways from this psalm that you can put into play in your own life today? You can trust in God's justice. You can stand up against wickedness in the world. You can pray for the oppressed and examine your own heart. First, trust in God's justice. Despite the apparent triumph of the wicked, the psalmist affirms that God will eventually bring justice to the oppressed and the vulnerable. This should give you hope and the courage to stand up against injustice in the world, knowing that God is on the side of the oppressed. Let me tell you a quote by Matthew Henry. It goes like this. The wicked seem to prosper and thrive in this world, but their prosperity is only temporary. God will one day hold them accountable for their actions and bring them to justice, end quote. Or how about this quote from Charles Spurgeon? Quote, the psalmist's cry for God to act is not a lack of faith, but a deep conviction that God is just and will one day right the wrongs in the world, end quote. In a marriage relationship, this means trusting that God is working behind the scenes to bring healing and restoration to any brokenness or pain that you may be experiencing. This can give you and your spouse hope and the courage to persevere through difficult times, knowing that God is on your side. So first, you can trust in God's justice. Second, you can stand up against wickedness in the world. Teach your children and grandchildren about injustice. Psalm 10 can be used as a teaching tool to help your children understand the reality of injustice in the world and to develop empathy for those who are suffering. As a parent or grandparent, an aunt or uncle, you can use the psalm to start conversations with your loved ones about topics such as poverty, discrimination, and oppression, and then encourage them to become agents of justice and compassion in the world. Stand up against injustice. Psalm 10 is a call to action for God's people to stand up against the wickedness in the world. In your relationships, this means standing up against any injustice or oppression that you or your spouse, for example, your family member, your friend may be experiencing. This may involve setting healthy boundaries, speaking up when you feel disrespected, or seeking help from a counselor or trusted friend, or I got to put a plug in, a mentor. 
Remember, I have Elevate Mentoring. You can go to the website to get more information about this option for you. It's four weeks of free mentoring called Elevate. We know that you can trust in God's justice. Number two, you can stand up against wickedness in the world. And I've given you some ways to do that. Number three, you can pray for the oppressed. Using Psalm 10 as a model for prayer, you can intercede for those who are suffering under the hand of the wicked. This prayer can also include a plea for God to act against the oppressors. And also asking God to bring them to justice and to turn their hearts towards repentance. Take it a step further and pray for each other. Within your family, you can intercede for each other and for those who are suffering in the world. This can help you to develop a deeper sense of compassion and to rely on God's grace and mercy in the midst of difficult circumstances. And then the fourth one is to examine your own heart. Psalm 10 challenges you to examine your own heart to see if you have become complicit in the oppression of others. It's easy to condemn the wickedness of others, but you also need to look at your own actions and attitudes towards those who are vulnerable and marginalized. You could ask yourself if you are contributing to the problem of injustice in any way and seek to repent and change your ways if necessary. John Calvin said this of Psalm 10, Quote, the wickedness that the psalmist laments is not just an external problem, but also a spiritual one. The root of evil lies in the human heart, and only God can transform us from within and enable us to live lives of righteousness and justice. End quote. Ask the Holy Spirit to expose any area of evil in your heart. Psalm 139, 23 and 24 says, quote, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So in your relationships, you can encourage honesty and openness. The psalmist is not afraid to express his doubts and frustrations to God. And you can also benefit from this kind of honesty and openness. As a parent or grandparent, you can model vulnerability and authenticity by sharing your own struggles and asking for forgiveness when you make mistakes. This can create an atmosphere of trust and openness within the family allowing family members to support and care for one another. You and your spouse, for example, should be equally honest with each other. Instead of trying to hide your struggles or pretending that everything is okay, be open and vulnerable with each other about your fears, your doubts, and your frustrations. Let me tell you a story about the wickedness in my own heart. Now, this doesn't have anything to do with injustice, really, but it's just that practical admonition that you and I both need to consider, and that's examining our own hearts. And I have to admit that I do this often, and sometimes it feels really, really uncomfortable. I've determined that in my marriage and with my relationships, I'm going to be honest, I'm going to be transparent, and I'm going to be forthright because I don't want to start hiding anything from my husband, for example. I don't want to harbor any kind of ill will or frustration. I want to, after prayer, I want to bring that to him and to his attention and open the communication lines just as widely as they may be opened so that we can have that type of transparent relationship that I desire as a husband and a wife. I want to tell you something just to expose this on a really small scale of how I do this. Yes, I'm going to just say it is a story about wickedness in my own heart. And you know, when I even write a sentence like that for a podcast script, the next thing I do is exhale a huge sigh. I'm like, ah, oh, like that. Even as I am open and honest with you about so many things going on in my heart and mind, it makes me feel a bit vulnerable and sometimes very, very childish. But here goes. 
one night during Friday Family Fun Night, there were about eight of us sitting around the kitchen table playing a card game that goes by different names. Some people call it scum, some call it kings, but it's a game you play individually. There are no teams. The object is to eliminate all the cards in your hand in order to get to or to get closer to the king and queen spots, those positions, and to avoid being the last person with cards in your hand, which is going to get you the spot on the exact opposite extreme of the king and the queen. And we call that scum and scum junior, or it's like the lowest dirt poorest two individuals in a kingdom, let's say. There are card playing advantages to the top spots and disadvantages to those bottom two spots. During play, you have the opportunity should the cards in your hand or the ones you draw present you with this option to skip the person who plays after you. One night I sat to the left of my husband, Jim. Play after play, he kept skipping me. I'm okay with one skip, even three skips, but more than that, and my mind starts racing. And I think thoughts like this, why does my own husband keep skipping me? This is so unfair. Why is he more interested in his own winning than in my winning? Why doesn't he treat me with a bit more respect or honor? He's not taking care of me or showing love to me by skipping me so much. And listen, if you've tuned in to our recent Monday series on cognitive distortions or faulty thinking, you will remember there was one category called personalization and blame. And this is when you assign responsibility to yourself or others for events that are outside of their control, like cards you randomly draw in a game or are dealt in that game. Or you assign blame to others for things that are not their fault and you make them responsible for your own feelings about it. In other words, I was engaging this type of faulty thinking that night playing cards. I blamed Jim for playing the cards he was dealt or had drawn from a shuffled deck, which was totally not his fault nor within his control. But I went a step further and I personalized it. I concluded in my mind that he played the cards to squash me personally and which proves that he doesn't love me like he should when he would have played those same cards no matter who was sitting to his left. I took it even further and blamed him for my feelings about it. Everyone began to notice my silence and the smirk on my face. And someone said, oh, mom isn't enjoying being skipped by Jim or something like that. Needless to say, I lost that round and I was sent to the dungeons of Scumville, where it is extremely difficult to arise from the depths of this poverty of riches. And let me just say where it is also equally challenging for me to rise from the ashes of this type of wickedness in my own heart, mind, and soul. That old root of rejection seemed to be sprouting. What could I do to eradicate its tiny frail roots that were seeking fertile ground to take hold in my heart? Now you're thinking, gosh, that's just a dumb old card game. And you're right. But don't miss those everyday experiences that offer you a moment to reflect on the thoughts and meditations of your heart and soul, especially when your feathers are ruffled. Generally, I have found that if I go a bit ballistic emotionally over something that is happening in my life that seems overall kind of trivial and insignificant, that God is up to something big. He wants to refine and polish my character. He wants to bring his living water to a parched area of my heart and his healing balm to any festering wounds. It's not pretty and it's not fun and pride has to take the back seat every single time. Jim and I had a few deep conversations about that particular incident, which, by the way, is also a common reaction that I have when playing pickleball against him. But that's another story for another day. I took that incident and I analyzed it the next morning. I processed it and I prayed through what happened. And I asked God to reveal to me my anxious thoughts and any wickedness in my heart. And boy, he did. 
The next Friday, I fessed up to the kids. I apologized for my reaction and admitted it was an ugly comportment on my part. I let them know that Jim and I had spoken and I would try my hardest with God's help not to repeat that type of behavior and would try simply to have fun and delight that they were all around the table with me. And this is to my adult children, mind you. They're in their 20s and 30s. Let me just say that I've given them so much fodder to discuss at my funeral. I picture a lot of laughs as they share all my character flaws and their front row seats to the refinement of my character. It might start with something like this. Mom was so competitive. She really hated to lose at cards and especially on the pickleball court. She was like a fussy seven-year-old whose father wouldn't let her ever win at a game of checkers. Laugh, laugh, laugh. But the thing about mom is that she knew her shortcomings and she really hated those character defects and flaws. And she learned to change by God's grace. She didn't stay stuck in her childishness. She was definitely a work in progress, but it was refreshing to see how hard she worked and how much she desired to be like God even in the smallest things like playing cards and pickleball. And we saw her change and get better, grow softer and less self-focused. Okay, I'm going to stop now because I'm getting a bit carried away. But you see the cry of my heart? It's to be open in my relationships about my frustrations, shortcomings, and difficult situations for me as I work through them. So let's move on to what you may experience as a result of trusting in God's justice, standing up against wickedness in the world, praying for the oppressed, and examining your own heart. You're going to experience empathy, increased and validated trust applied to your own relationships and toward God, and hope. First, empathy. When you teach your children about injustice and encourage them to become agents of justice and compassion in the world, you may experience a deeper sense of empathy for those who are suffering. This can lead to a greater awareness of the needs of others and a desire to make a difference in the world. You're going to encounter trust. If you model vulnerability and authenticity within your family, you may experience a deeper sense of trust and connection with your family members. This can lead to a greater sense of security and belonging within your family unit. And let me just add, also, this is going to increase your, your trust in God. We know that we're to commit our way to the Lord and trust in him and allow him to do the work in our lives. And so instead of saying, I don't trust you, God, and why are you doing this? Ask God to help you increase your trust of him, increase your faith in him, and to declare your will be done, God, not mine, but yours. And there are going to be so many mysteries on this side of heaven, things that we just don't understand, like school shootings, for example, something so recently that occurred in the state of Tennessee. How can we even get our minds around something like that, that, that God allowed to happen? the depravity of mankind. We need God now more than ever, but we don't understand everything that happens. We can't, but what we can do is say, God, there will be a day when the wicked will be punished. We are not letting go of that hope that we have in you and in your righteousness and in your justice. And finally, the third thing, it leads to hope. When you pray for your family members and for those who are suffering in the world, you may experience a greater sense of hope and trust in God's ability to bring healing and restoration. This can lead to a greater sense of peace and joy, even in the midst of difficult circumstances. Overall, putting into play 
any of the practical applications of Psalm 10 can lead to a deeper sense of connection with God and with others, as well as a greater sense of purpose and meaning in life. I hope that these takeaways have stirred something in your heart that makes you want to get out your journal and write your own prayer to God regarding these things. And I want to leave you today with a few challenges. Do you feel inspired? What will you do today to take action against injustice and to become an agent of compassion and change in your family, community, and beyond? Do you feel empowered? What will you do today to become more vulnerable and authentic in your relationships, which can lead to deeper connections and greater trust? Do you feel encouraged? The psalmist has been so honest and vulnerable. Can you grab that sense of comfort and solidarity in the midst of your own personal struggles and suffering? And do you feel challenged? Challenged to examine your own attitudes and behaviors, particularly in relationship to issues of injustice and moral decay. And lastly, do you feel comforted? Do you feel comforted by the psalmist's reminder of God's sovereignty and faithfulness, which can provide you with hope and peace in the face of trial and hardship? I hope that I'm leaving you with a renewed sense of faith and purpose. God bless you. And thank you so much for pressing play on another episode of the Choose to Think Inspirational podcast. I appreciate you. I love you. And I hope that your weekend, if you're listening on a Thursday when the episode drops, is filled with so many blessings. And I hope that you see the very face of God and that you hear his whisper to you that you're not alone, that he is with you, that he sees you, that he knows your pains and your struggle points from the tedious things and the seemingly insignificant character refinement that's going on in your heart. Those are really big things. They're not little to him and he's going to see you through. He will be your healer and your guide until the end of time. And that's a wrap brain changer. And listen, if you like what you hear, would you leave us a one to two sentence review at Apple Podcasts, share the link with a friend or tag me on your share on social media? It would mean the world to me and would help us to keep shining the light of Christ and sharing the good news to others who are in need of encouragement. Please visit us on our website at choose to think.co. That's with the number two, choose to think.co to get on our monthly newsletter list. And if you need a guest speaker for your next women's retreat or church event, I'm your gal. Email me at choose to think at gmail.com. And that's with the number two, choose to think at gmail.com. Finally, I offer limited free mentoring sessions each month where you and I can chat to help you develop a strategy for your thoughts in any area of your life. I'm a certified life coach and I have something to share. Visit choose to think.co and click on mentoring for more details. Also, keep in mind that the messages on this show are for informational and educational purposes only. Please consult your medical doctor for all medical issues. Thank you again for tuning in. God bless you. Thank you.